How do you define success in ministry? Are you always striving for higher attendance and bigger programs? Or is ministry success something different? On this episode, we'll talk about what success is and is not, and how you can begin to measure your success differently. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection. Welcome again to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and in my over 20 years of serving teenagers, families, and youth workers, I've noticed it's incredibly easy to get sucked into measuring success by numbers or other what I would call surface-level statistics. And maybe you feel like you get it, but others on your team or maybe even your supervisor are still focused on dare I say, the wrong things. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk with Dan Espanik to define what success should look like in student ministry and how you can begin to measure biblical outcomes rather than just a headcount. But before we jump into that conversation, let's pause to thank the sponsor of this episode. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone as well, with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $20 a month. If you're looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides, that's $30 a month. And if you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum, G-Shades has you covered for only $40 a month. You will not find a better youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere. Head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G to download season four of G-Shades curriculum and use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to receive an extra $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. Dan Hispanic has served in student and family ministry for over 28 years. He served in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Louisiana, Wisconsin, and Washington, D.C., and he currently serves as a family pastor near Chicago, Illinois. He is also the owner of Youth Ministry Hub and a nationally known ministry resource creator, writer, speaker, and coach. Dan also loves to serve others who are in ministry through networking and mentoring, and we're so thankful to have him on the podcast today. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you've got a lot of years under your belt. You've been a student ministry veteran. You've got a lot of resources that you've been creating, but also then helping to put other people's resources in in youth pastors' hands. Um, you've got a lot of different irons in the fire and different ways that you're really helping a lot of youth pastors. But before we dive into any of that and our topic today, I'd love for people just to hear your story, maybe how how you started in your relationship with Jesus and how you got led into uh, to ministry itself. Sure, for sure. I, I grew up in the East Coast uh, as a pastor's kid. Um, so, you know, faith around church, around faith, um, just a church brat. So I kind of was born, bred, Bible fed in church. So I saw this ministry, you know, on the backside of things all my life, but really was just not 
completely dedicated to it, you know, um, you know, made a decision for faith early on, but it really wasn't until almost high school, uh, went to a Christian school that I really just really started taking it more seriously. And there was a chapel service I could, I could think about at one moment where I really said, Hey, I want to, I want to do something for Christ. I want to really give this thing a, a real try, not just fake it till I make it. And, uh, honestly, middle school into high school is when I really started taking it off. And in 10th grade, um, stepped forward in, in chapel and said, Hey, I want to do this thing. And then had two really amazing uh, teachers that really invested in me throughout that time. And then a pastor that was connected to that church really started investing in me, um, really mentoring me, discipling me, putting up with me and my, my crazy questions. Um, but I still really didn't want to do ministry. I just was like, Hey, I want to do something for Christ. Whatever I do, I'm going to dedicate to God. And uh, these three guys just continue to say, Hey, no, I, we see calling in your life. We see God using you. And I was like, no, not, not interested. Um, but it was just great to, for them to say, Hey, why don't you just do one year of Bible college? There's a Bible college North of us. We'll do this one year Bible associates degree. Just do that. Get a foundation in, in faith and Bible. And then, you know, let God use you, whatever you know, choose to do in the secular market. And honestly, that was kind of life-changing for me. Uh, got home, took a semester off to work, to pay off that bill that summer. And during that time period, a small church was just looking for somebody to help them do hang out with students honestly. So at 19 years old, I just started hanging out with students at a little fellowship hall next to a small country church. And it's never stopped. 28 mm. years as of November, I've been doing student ministry. Uh, 24 has been full-time on a church staff. Therefore, was love gift part-time during college. And uh, yeah, it's never stopped. It's been a great, great season, great journey. And I love what I do. That's awesome. I, I think it's funny because I have a, not exactly, but somewhat similar story where I, I felt called into ministry at some level, but I was still a little bit resistant until my freshman year of Bible college as well. And yeah, that, that freshman year just being transformed by what God was doing and being opened up to it a little more, got involved in volunteer uh, opportunities. And before I knew it, it was like, nope, I'm signing up. I'm keep continuing going on. And the next thing I knew, I was in my first part-time ministry and everything happened as, as well. So it's it's crazy how how getting into it and, and being immersed in that, you're able to just open yourself up to what God wants for you. I think that's probably, probably encouragement to anybody that's either in that boat or walking through that with, with students or anything, just like get yeah. them into the ministry itself, get them opportunities to volunteer and they're going to see whether they really love it and they want to keep pursuing that or if it's not their thing and both are okay. Yeah. But for us, it seems like, yeah, getting involved in it all of a sudden just God kept grabbing our hearts and more and more and more. And here we are, you know, 20, almost 30 years later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God just broke my heart during that time for, for students and, you know, just kind of humbled me and maybe kind of put me in a place where he wanted me. So mm. it's been great. That's awesome. And you've had the opportunity to serve in a few different places around the country, right? Yeah, for sure. It's been it's been a wild ride in that way. We've served at seven different churches in 28 years, believe it or not. Um, and it's just been great. We've been at the East Coast. We've been deep south, Louisiana. We've been uh, right outside of D.C. for a couple of years. We've been in Amish country uh, even wow. for a few years. And now we're here just outside of Chicago. We've been here almost three years in the cool. western suburbs of Chicago as a family pastor, overseeing student ministry and still actively in the life of students, but then overseeing uh, uh, the whole next-gen team. Mm, that's cool. 
That's awesome. And I'm sure that's probably very helpful in how you do with networking and coaching and all those yeah. different things that you have is to have those various experiences coming in so you can relate to a lot of different people who are doing different ministry in different ways because it's not the same everywhere we go. Like I've been in three different states and I've noticed <laughs> it's very different every time you move to a different culture, a different size, yeah. you know, a city, whatever it is, like the ministry changes. Yes, it's still the teenagers, but ministry is different in different places you go for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's huge in, in whether, how we define, you know, what we're doing, but also what, how we're succeeding or we're not succeeding in, in ministry for sure, for real. Yeah, absolutely. So as you alluded to, yeah, today we're going to be talking about what success looks like in ministry. And I think this conversation is very important because we need to know when we're moving in the right direction, but we also need to know when we're, we need to adjust within ministry as well. And I think this this topic is so important. Any other uh, reasons why you think we should be talking about this this particular topic? Oh, it's huge. I mean, this is the probably the number one question I get in training, coaching, networking, uh, even in podcasts, uh, just, just conversations, uh, even with staff interviewing. Is how do you define success? What is success? Um, and it's a question I ask back when I'm interviewing. Uh, I ask questions back to you know when I'm training, coaching. Hey, help me help me understand what you see success as. Um, but it's honestly, in a lot of ways, how we define it is a make or break for our ministries, our positions, and whether or not we keep our positions sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's a huge for us to have this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So before we talk about what success is, I think it's important to talk about what it's not. So what are yeah. some of those things that we maybe feel like are success, but really yeah. they're not those things that we should be measuring? I think overall, I mean, the number one answer for what is success, the wrong answer is is numbers is how big our, our group can get, how big our students' ministry can be. And that really doesn't find success. Um, you know, over all these years of doing this, I mean, we all know kind of some cheap tricks to get kids to show up, make a big number, make our, our boss happy. But that's not long-term sustainable success. That's just a, a quick flash of the pan. But that's sometimes what our church desires. That's sometimes what we desire. We just want to see, stand in front of a big group and feel like we've made it. And honestly, that is just a, a real false, false positive for ministry is seeing a, a group, big group of students. Um, success is not that. Uh, success is not always making everyone happy, which is a, a big deal. And there's going to be moments that there are going to be people who are not happy with us. And um, trying to please everyone is not success. Uh, once again, that might define us. That might be defined as success in some settings, but that's definitely not success in ministry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and both of those things are really easy <laughs> to fall into. Like uh being, you know, a, a student ministry veteran now myself, like it I feel like I know those things. I've known those <laughs> things for years and years, but man, it's so easy to fall back into the, those traps. And the times where, you know, we see momentum and then all of a sudden like numbers drop and you feel like yep. yourself, you're a failure. Or all of a sudden, like something you do or something happens, just the the stars align, if you will, <laughs> and mm, and yeah. uh, all the students show up one night and it's awesome and you feel like you're on top of the world just because there were X amount of students there or whatever. Um, the same thing, yeah, if you, if you, you know, you, you come in contact with a parent or a leader or a or a supervisor or whatever, and and they're saying, you know, hey, I don't agree with this or whatever. And those are things that really can get you down, even if you've been in the ministry for years and years and years. Yeah. Those are easy things that that can cut you down, but but that's not what success is for sure. Yeah, it's a huge season right now, especially post pandemic, post COVID. Um, success really needs to be defined better, but also we need need to redefine it. 
because mm-hmm. those some of those false positives are really strong right now as a lot of churches emerge a year, year and a half later from COVID. Um, that number thing is a huge big deal. I know even within the Chicagoland area, um, there's just a lot of a lot of conversations that we're having about what success looks like because the same numbers are not showing back up. They're showing up in different ways, mm. um, but success is different, and it has to yeah. be defined different in a different world we live in. Yeah. And uh, you know, the old things don't aren't necessarily working anymore. And so I think that's a huge conversation that does need to have to happen. Absolutely. So I know it, like as you as you said, it's it's very much based on context and everything. But w- what are some of those universal things that should define success? What does it look like in ministry? Yeah, well, I mean, I define it probably in four to five ways. The first one I define success is this longevity in ministry. Um, you will not really understand what you're doing or success in ministry until four, five years in, if not 10 years along the road. Uh, so often churches will try to define success or whether you're successful within the first two years. Uh, a lot of us try to find our success within the first two years. And that's where there's that urban legend of the two to three year youth pastor uh, tenure. And sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. But even the conversations, that's the conversation that happens. That two-year hump is when churches, well, this is working or not working. This is when you feel like, well, I'm doing my job or not. And longevity is the first definer of success. If you are there more than two, three years, but also you will not see you know, the real spiritual success and the things we're going to talk about next until probably year four or five. Mm. That's huge. And also success is you personally staying in ministry the long term. Um, youth ministry is no longer a stepping stone ministry. It is really is that fine professional ministry, a ministry that you can do for a long time. I'm, I'm 28 years in. I know I have a lot of friends that are, are even longer than myself. My mentor who just passed away, um, he was back in youth ministry or continued to do youth ministry until he was 65 years old. Mm. He was out of college, teaching youth ministry, working with students. And then he literally went back to his son's church and joined on staff as a on staff youth pastor at 65 years old. Nice. And so success is really is, is in longevity and uh, long-term. I know working with national network youth ministry, which I talk about like the importance of networking in there too. And mm-hmm. the fact that the most there's lots of different stats, but at least, you know, if you're in a network with he- a healthy network with other youth pastors and other youth workers, you stay in a church at least two and a half times longer if you're in that yeah. network, which just only adds to more success with that longevity. I think it's so important, but it's sometimes it's not easy to get there. Um, but but uh, but if we can stick through it, that's where we we see the success. I saw another stat the other day that that said um, that it takes about a year to a year and a half to really truly connect with a student. And yet oh, that's also the same time that a lot of youth pastors will stay at a church is about a year to year and a half, maybe right. on the low end. And we're like, well, you just got to meet those students. You just got to finally connect with them beyond, you know, the the pleasantries. And now you're off to another thing. So yeah, it definitely takes longevity for sure. And students will close off. Students will shut shut off on you. You know, yep. a year, year and a half in is now become the norm because there is those two-year youth pastors and they're like, why should I trust you? Why should I even open up if you're going to be gone in two years? And so you really are not able to even try to succeed with a student and with a group of students until you've been there more than two years. Yeah. And that's huge. And that's huge. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Any other things that we should be thinking about when we think of success? Well, I think success is defined not numbers of people showing up, but the number of students that are serving. 
Uh, we have a huge philosophy in our ministry, and actually the last couple of ministries is attend one, serve one on Sunday mornings, especially for our high schoolers. Mm-hmm. We want to see students serving. Um, it's not just showing up and being entertained. It's actually getting out of the seat and onto your feet and outdoing. And success really needs to be fine in youth ministry is seeing students serve, that they're putting uh, feet, heart, and hands into action based on what they're learning. So we have the old, like, hey, we get enough kids in the room, everybody sits around, everybody's entertained, and that's success. That's not true at all. The success mm-hmm. is when we see students serving. The percentage of students that are actually serving within our building, within our community, but also you know within our, in our world. And that's a huge, huge win. And we've seen that once again through longevity. Our church that we're at almost 12 years. You know, we look back at, at that. We look ahead. I mean, my daughter goes to attends Moody Bible College. And for her to walk in her freshman year to see one of my former middle school students greeting her now on staff at Moody because she learned how to serve, you know, not because of us, but because the ministry that we had, the way their church was philosophy was serving, getting kids serving early on. And then it just continued on. And to see so many students from that ministry and other ministries we've been part of serving is huge. And that's yeah. another way to define success, the number of, of students serving. Mm. I think the other one is the number of students that can articulate their faith and talk about their faith and share their faith and bring people to Christ. Uh, that's a huge thing. And it's a, it's a changing world we live in. It's not as diff- easy as it used to be. It's not a simple you know three-step plan, mm-hmm. but relational evangelism and students that can do that in a successful ways. I mean, obviously, Greg Steer, Dare Share, is a huge proponent of this. And uh, yeah, success is when we see students serving and students sharing their faith, which is gigantic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think both of those really, they lead themselves to to showing that discipleship is happening. It's not just, oh, I attend church, but I'm actually growing in my faith and I'm able to now share it with others as well. And I want to use how, you know, God has designed me and how he's gifted me to, to benefit the kingdom and to benefit others as well. Um, but it's really easy because that's one of the reasons why we fall into the numbers thing, right? It's really easy to go, okay, we got 50 people here, or we got 20 people here, we got 150 people, whatever it is. It's easy to count that. How do we make sure that we stay on the right kind of mindset to measure those, those correct things as success? And how do we actually measure that stuff? Like, like serving, like being able to articulate their faith, those kind of things. Well, I think small group leaders are, are a huge part of that. Having small group leaders that are engaged, mentoring, um, you know, not counting numbers, but really a keeping accountability. Um, you know, we as youth pastors can only honestly have a relationship, an intimate relationship with so many students. And that's where, you know, another part of uh, success is really having the next generation engaged with this current generation. So multi-generational mentorship, discipleship, small groups that are not just one, you know, small group leaders that are not one single age bracket. But we have a cross-generational movement that's happening in our church where, you know, all generations are connecting, but then there's this older generation serving, walking beside life together. Um, but even beyond that, I think it's, it's parents is one of the ways that I define success is, are my parents uh, encouraged, equipped, empowered, and engaged in what I'm doing? Are they, are they able to know that they can do the work of discipleship on their own? And that success to me is when I start seeing parents engaging in discipleship at home. Uh, so often we we look at that number and like how many kids are we discipling? How many kids are coming to our thing? But my my success you know metric is how many of my parents are engaging in discipleship at home. So we put those smoke questions that we use on Sunday nights or on Wednesday nights in the parents' hands in an email form along with passages 
do the work of discipleship at home. But also beyond that, as a family pastor, we try to shoot an online parenting video. So my wife and I sit down once a month and shoot like a short seven, eight minute online parenting class talking about how to disciple your kid at home, how to spend some time. But then in there, we put in their hands what we call faith at home, which is a two page resource. One page is just the basic how to do discipleship. Here are the four steps, five steps to discipleship. Define that at home. And then the second page is a, is a specific activity or way to do discipleship at home through common everyday things. You know, how do you spend time doing discipleship in a car? How do you go grocery shopping and use that as a discipleship moment? And even through my website now, we offer about 20 of those pages for other youth pastors to use and to use as a resource to disciple and have parents doing discipleship in their own homes. That's cool. So Dana, I'm hearing rather than the numbers, it's it's about like what how are things moving forward? How are people really growing in their faith? How are they taking their next steps? How are they yeah. helping others as well? So to me, like I hear it it's really important to to step back and don't just glance at the the headcount every every night at, at youth group. Um it's important to really if you're gonna get that kind of feedback to know if you're really succeeding, you really gotta step into the ministry, get to know the students, get to know your leaders, get to know the families. Yeah. Spend some time in there to actually be able to to judge whether you're succeeding or not. However, <laughs> what I know from my own ministry and from other youth pastors that I've talked to over the years, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, uh probably with your own ministry as well. Maybe I get that, but what if people on my team or my supervisor doesn't get that? And I, I maybe have uh pushback all the time or like, well, your numbers are up, so you're succeeding or your numbers are down. So you're not succeeding, but they may be, you know, they're not on the same kind of mindset as we are. It's like, wow, that, but, but I'm seeing X amount of baptisms and I have this many percentage of my youth group that are serving on a regular basis. I've got you know, parents that are that are baptizing their kids and serving and they're going out to serve together and they're discipling together. They're having regular Bible times together at home and all these different things are happening, but but your numbers are down, so you're not succeeding. So yeah. what do we do in those situations? Yeah, we've I've lived in that moment of, you know, previous churches. I've had that conversation, even though I interviewed, was very clear about how I define success. Um, there were still these conversations, these difficult moments of like, well, the numbers that we hope for are down. And I was like, all right. So I think one of the things I mean, when you interview, it starts at the very beginning, interview back. Um, I talked to so many young youth pastors say, when you're doing the interview, don't let them just interview you. You need to interview them back and ask the question, define expectations. And I say this all the time, is frustration and anger come from unmet expectations. So you're like, I don't know why my pastor's mad. I don't know why my boss is mad. I'm like, unmet expectations. What are they expecting? And so clearly defining that, sometimes it's not in a job description, but it's in their mind. It's in their heart. It's mm-hmm. in their experience. You know, we have a lot of great senior pastors who were used to be youth pastors. And, you know, 20 years ago, success was defined in this way. And they look at it and like, oh, if we do a youth rally, kids show up, we're, we win. And I'm like, no, that's not the way it is anymore. And so clearly it's the interview. It's saying, hey, defining success, getting that expectation out on the table, and then having that conversation as you go through the job and you're there, you know, six months a year, year in, hey, let's talk about this again, make sure we're clear. This is how we're defining success. That's huge. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a place, you've already taken that job, you're sitting there, is really making sure that you are informing everyone, including parents and staff leadership, making sure that you're interesting to them, you're pulling interest into them saying, here, this is what's happening. 
Uh, beyond, beyond that is really intertwining what you do with the life of the church. Uh, so often, you know, when I interview, I say, define discipleship for adults. I, I, know what, I know what I believe about discipleship for students, but it's hard for me to disciple students if your definition of discipleship, your definition of success is different. So we have these mm -hmm. ongoing conversations about how we engage. And sometimes it's a bottom-up leadership. It's saying, hey, this is what the students are doing. And it really is pushed in some places, you know, to, for the adult ministry, the adult discipleship to change and to go a little deeper. Um, but that's hard. So really having those ongoing conversations, don't wait for the, hey, this is what's going wrong, but making sure that you're the one ahead of it. Say, mm -hmm. hey, I've given you information. I've given you information. I've informed you. I've done things that really hopefully interest you in what we're doing. We've intertwined our ministry with the philosophy of the church. And then we've engaged it. We've really put you in a spot where come in. And that's where and I encourage people, have your senior pastor, have your advisor, have your supervisor come in and speak. But bring them into your ministry. Don't let it be surprise of what's happening in your ministry. And that's been a big win across the board everywhere I've been. And one of, one of the successful things is when your senior pastor is buying in or mm. looks at you and is a win, um, that's huge. That's a huge moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then there's so many that don't have that. But, yeah. but that's, I think a lot of times we, we think, oh, it's not happening. So it's not happening. Yep. Um, but we can influence that potentially. Yep. Not not to say it's going to happen in every situation, but it can be something that we can influence as well. And I love what you said, Dan, about being proactive, about making sure that we're getting those expectation questions answered. Um, and I think for for me as well, being in a couple of different situations where I've been already at a church, but leadership changes um, that are at executive level or whatever over me. And so I didn't get the opportunity to interview with those people. I was here before they came in. Um, but I think that's also something that's very important as they can come on, make sure we have those conversations with them. Say, hey, what are your expectations for me? How do you define success? Because if not, those that could easily be a place where where we're on different pages as well. And probably since some frustration from that, I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dan, we got a, a, an audience of youth workers <laughs> that um, that are already filled with lots of information. <laughs> they've got they've gained a lot of, of insight and wisdom today from what you've shared. But uh, before we close up, I'd love to just give you an opportunity to encourage them. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe some of the our audience uh, is is struggling with some different things that you know maybe feeling like they're they're not connected or they're not supported by their their supervisor or they feel like they're doing this alone or mm -hmm. or they're they're struggling with the whole numbers thing and and measuring success <laughs> in the wrong ways so um if, if anybody's listening today that's kind of finding themselves in that kind of a place how would you encourage them today uh first thing is don't give up um my wife and my heart is secondary heart beyond work with students is to make sure that people stay serving students in ministry uh, we're so, you know, we're so disheartened when we see people leave ministry for a short period of time or any time. I mean, so we, we tell everybody, don't give up. And the, one of the ways that helps us, and I mean, I know you and I have talked about it, is networking and finding mentors inside of your ministry. Uh, maybe someone, you know, you don't have that person inside your building. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's safer not to have that person inside your building. But find a godly mentor, a go godly person that you could talk to that's a few years past you. But also find other youth pastors around you. Network, coffee. You know, if there's not a network, invite people out to coffee. You know, I will pay for your coffee if you just spend time with me. I just need somebody to talk to, um, which is huge. And, you know, so many youth pastors. I mean, we work with a lot of youth pastors here in the Chicago land. 
And I know they're discouraged, but we know, I mean, I know full well and I've heard it verbally, verbally, you know, articulated, this is encouraging for us to sit and have coffee and look around at each other and share. And sometimes it's a little, little group therapy. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's part of what we do, but that's my encouragement. Don't give up, find a mentor and find other youth pastors around you that you can do life with uh, because it's big, it's big K kingdom, not small K kingdoms. And that's mm-hmm. what's going to define success in the end for you is, you know, what's going to give you longevity? What's going to give you to understanding of, of how to do disciple? What is understanding of how to work with students differently is seeing a perspective because it's all about context. Mm-hmm. You know, what works yeah. for me in Washington, D.C. does not work for me in Chicago. And having a network of other people that know what, what, what the context is, is yeah. huge. It's very, very big. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of people do uh, come to the, the this podcast and maybe it's one of their first connecting points and they love, you know, hearing the people that I get to talk to and and hearing us talk about student ministry. They're growing from all those people, but we hope that the, the podcast is not where it stops. Like hopefully this is a stepping off point to get connected with, with others in your area, others online and everything as well. And we hope, my hope is that, uh, that our audience gets to connect more with you, Dan. So where can people find you connect with you more, find all your resources, all the things that you're doing for youth pastors? Well, I have a website called youthbinhub.com, and that has a ton of resources on it. We're adding more every single week. Uh, we post about we post five posts a, a week. So every single day, Monday through Friday, there's something new and fresh in the blog section. And then throughout that, there's also tons of different resources, family resources, ministry resources, game resources, all those kind of things. Uh, but then you can email me. I, I take emails all the time. D is at youthmanhub.com is the easy way to email me. Uh, but you can find me all over social media. I mean, any anywhere the social media is I'm at. So you look up Youthman Hub or Dan Istvanic and feel free to contact me. Um, I'm super available. My wife is actually really available as well for ministry, women in ministry or spouses in ministry that just need someone to talk to, need someone to pray with. Um, that's just been our, our heart or calling as well beyond students is to really make sure that people in ministry are encouraged and that they don't give up. So yeah, feel free to get, reach out to me anytime. Look through my website as well and uh, let me know how I can help you. How can I pray for you? That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dan, for, for all you do, um, for being on the podcast today and may God bless your ministry. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you all for being here today for this episode. And if you enjoyed it, I want to encourage you to do two things. First, reach out to Dan and ask him some follow-up questions. And second, take a moment to share this episode with someone else who could benefit from hearing it. Not only will you benefit them, but when you share the podcast, it actually helps us to put out some great content for you, including having amazing guests like Dan. Also, this episode is being published in April 2023, which means that the Orange Conference is right around the corner. If you're going, I would love to meet you there. If you don't see me walking around, please feel free to reach out to me on social media and I'll do my best to find you. I'll also be at the National Network of Youth Ministries booth quite a bit during the event, so you can probably find me there as well, or at least some people who know where to find me. And for those who want to attend but have not bought tickets yet, you can still use my code STEVE10, that's steve one zero at checkout to save 10% off your ticket. And that applies to both single and group tickets, and you can also use the same discount code for in-person or online-only tickets. And speaking of discounts, be sure to also visit our sponsor's website, gshades.org, and use the promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. They also have a great blog over there that you should read as well. 
And as a reminder, you can always order a copy of the Cards Christians Like Card Game that we gave away a few episodes ago by using the link in our show notes. And each time you order with our link, it supports Student Ministry Connection. We're going to be back in a couple weeks with episode 104. But until then, be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry.